Welcome to Hope for the Heart. Thank you for joining me tonight or today as we're looking at this passage. Uh, we're in the book of Revelation, studying this. Uh, it's, a, it's what I call our journey through the book of Revelation. And for the context tonight, I want to look at Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 and following. We'll see how far we can get. Some of this will be reviewed from last week because it's just so important to cover. Revelation chapter 12, the Word of God reads, beginning in verse 7, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, for there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, and the serpent of old, who was called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. Once again, we're looking at a very difficult passage, and I'm hoping that you can follow along with this. And uh, as I was told last week by uh, a number of people, they had to replay the thing several times, and I'll present why they had to play it in just a few moments. But we're looking at this war that is being waged. It says here in verse 7, the war is in, in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon, we have said from verses 1 through 6, is the Satan himself. And so it becomes a, a point of understanding who the dragon is, who the woman is, who we have said Israel, and who the child is. These are found in the first six verses. The child is the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah. And so this, is, this helps you understand the storyline here. And remember now, we're in Revelation chapter 12. As, as far as chronology goes, we've already completed uh, most of the tribulation period by the end of chapter 11. However, we go back and we look at first or chapters 12, 13, and 14, and it gives us a bit of uh, information about Satan's activity during the time of the tribulation. And so it becomes uh, a very mixed bag of uh, problems for the earth. And we're going to see just how bad a problems it really is. So this text takes us back as far as the Lucifer's fall in heaven all the way to the very end of the tribulation period. That is a long period of time. And so if we can understand that, most of this is review, and as we've said, it is, it's a very interesting thing. I want to just show you one or two things here found in this passage. If you look at verse 5, uh, she gave birth, in other words, Israel gave birth to a son. That is an event that happened. That is an event that happened and if you'll notice that that's an event that happened, but look at verse 4, you'll see an event that, that is uh, a little more interesting. And it says in, in verse 4, And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. This is Satan himself watching over because he did not know what time the birth was or the details of it. It tells us a lot about Satan. He is not sovereign. He is not omniscient. He's not omnipower, uh, uh, omnipotent. He is, uh, he is very powerful, but he cannot read minds. He cannot know the future except what he reads in the Word of God like you read in the Word of God. And so that's an interesting thing. And then it says he stands before, stands before the child to devour the child, which he does not. He is not successful. The child actually comes as an event in verse 5. 
And then another event is found in verse 6. The woman fled into the wilderness. Now that hasn't happened yet, but it is a future event that will take place during the tribulation period. And we've looked at that. She's going to flee into the wilderness. And so why she's going to flee into the wilderness, we'll look at a little bit more detail when we get to verse 13. But this is the future event. hasn't happened yet, but will happen. And then look at what it says in the rest of 6. So that she might be nourished for 1,260 days. That is the length of time of the second half of the tribulation period. That is three and a half years. And then we get to verse 7. And verse 7 is, uh, is telling us about the war in heaven. And it says, There was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. So we can see that even though what we know about Satan is very limited, uh, we know that he is a defeated foe, defeated at the cross, prophesied he would be defeated even in the garden or before uh, the Garden of Eden. However, he is not going to give up. He is relentless. His power is there and he has certain amounts of freedom. And so we can... Uh, Begin to understand some of this as we go on, but I want you to understand you can't see the battle being waged here. You can't hardly, I don't think we can understand the power that's involved in this supernatural level between angels, uh, whether it be on the earth, the earth's atmosphere, or in heaven itself. It is a level which we cannot understand. Uh, It is going on between uh, supernatural beings, and we, we can't see it. So when it talks about this war, it's not something the people on earth will see. And that, that's very important, I think, for us to understand. And to understand that Satan, even though he is a defeated foe, he is still alive. He is still moving around until the actual sentence of execution. So the battle will still rage on. And that's what we're still focusing on, is that battle. So remember now, the dragon is Satan himself. And that's what we're looking at here. So the first thing I want to point out is, number one, it's the possibility involved in this uh, war. The possibility is what caused it, what, what actually starts this, because we know they have been in war since the fall of Lucifer in heaven. So this one takes center stage in the sense that this is a separate battle, and this battle, is, it says, is being waged. It hasn't happened yet. It's going to be in a certain place, and it's going to have severe consequences upon this earth. And so last week we mentioned the possibility that uh, this could be taking place because of the rapture of the church. Now, I got quite a bit of uh, comments on that. Uh, some have said a very interesting comment. One said, well, I can't. One, one person said to me, well, you can't prove it. And I said, absolutely correct. That's why I am not dogmatic about this. But it's just kind of fun when you get into prophecy to think about the possibilities of what would cause these things. Something causes the war in verse 7. There is some possibilities that perhaps we don't see yet, perhaps we will see. But something causes this war, and it will be waged, and, and the result of this is very, uh, very demonstrative. We'll see how that happens in just a minute. But the possibility is that I mentioned last week that it was the rapture of the church. And so with the rapture of the church, uh, we see that uh, Michael, as one of the, uh, is, is the archangel here, mentioned here, 
And that is, uh, we, we, we took you to Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 12, and we began to look at this. And we noticed for you, or brought to you, the very fact that in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the arch, archangel. That's a possibility that it could be Michael. I'm not saying it is Michael, but it's a possibility. Certainly, it could be. He is an archangel that will be shouting. But why would the archangel shout during the rapture? It didn't say why, and it doesn't give what he shouts. Well, we just simply presented the supposition last week. Could it be that he's confronting Satan and his demons as they try to stop or alter the rapture? It's a possibility. He's certainly going to stand up for the people of God in the future, according to Daniel chapter 12. And so this would make perfectly good sense. So the first uh, indication of this battle is, is brought to us here in, in this particular passage. But you'll see that uh, uh, Satan and his uh, dragon, or the dragon and his uh, angels, which are demons, do not win here. Michael and the holy angels win a very decisive battle. Now, if this is indeed at the time of the rapture, or around the time of the rapture, we assume it's somewhere around there that the war breaks out, and if it's triggered by the rapture, the end result will be uh, 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 devastating for Satan and all his hosts of heaven because they're going to be cast out. So you say, well, how long would this war last? Well, time-wise on earth, it could last from the time of the rapture until the mid part of tribulation period. So it could last three and a half years earth time. But we don't know that. But we do know that when he is cast out, that there is a time frame that is given to us. And this is going to explain why the tribulation is such a terrible, terrible time because now all the demons of the universe have hit the earth, no more access to heaven. Uh, it says no, more, or no longer a place found for them in heaven. So number one on the outline for today, very simple as I try to work through this, is the possibility, which is the rapture. Number two, the place of this war. Number one was the possibility of the cause of the war. Number two is the place of the war. And the place for the war is in heaven. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting to think that such a power, and again, we can't even imagine the power involved in this war, but to even uh, stretch it a little bit further, it's in heaven. Uh, and it's going to be brought down to earth, but it's in heaven here, and that is a, uh, it could be disturbing, but... He is cast out of heaven. In fact, we're told it is in heaven. Look at what it says in verse 7. There was war in heaven. I had uh, one or two people ask me, where does it say heaven? Well, it says it right there in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 12. So, uh, that's the place of the war, and it's going to have a, uh, a, an effect upon Satan and his demons. Uh, and it's a powerful war. I, 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 I wonder sometimes if the people in heaven are going to actually be able to see it. I think they will, because we're going to mention that as we get into verse 10 and 11. So, number one on the outline is the possibility of the, of, the cause of, the rap, of the cause of the war, and that is the rapture. Number two is the place of the war is in heaven. But number three uh, is a very interesting I want us to look at. I want to look at the power that's involved here. Look at what it says after it mentions the war. Uh, in heaven, which is verse 7. It says, verse 8, And they were not strong enough. 
Who was not strong enough? Well, the dragon and his angels were not strong enough. It has an effect here, if you look at this, is that there was no longer a place found for them in heaven because they have been overtaken by Michael and the archangel and the other, the good holy angels who wherever, whoever was involved in this war. It just says Michael and his angels. So I would imagine not all angels were fighting, probably didn't need them all, but the fact is there is a power here that is on display through the written word of God. And that power is the fact that Michael and his angels are more powerful. Uh, that is a, a very important point to see. So it seems as though the full fury of his arrival is right at the midpoint. That Satan's power is right at the midpoint. There's no reason to assume that that's exact. But if the battle starts at the time of the rapture, and the rapture happens immediately, we get through the domain of Satan, that war may go on for a little while. Earth time, it could be as much as three to three and a half years, somewhere in there before the result happens. So, heaven is going to be cleaned out. And this power that we're seeing here is a very interesting power because look at how it continues in verse 9. It says, And the great dragon, remember it's Satan himself, was thrown down. That is powerful because one thing we don't understand is how powerful Satan really is. And uh, we, we get the understanding and the implication from Scripture. He's way too powerful to be messing with. I would not want to mess with him at all. In fact, there are other angels we saw last week in Daniel chapter 10 and 12 who could not stand against Satan. And so they had to call Michael the archangel to come and help. So this dragon in verse 9, Satan was thrown down and it identifies, just in case there's any doubt in our mind, the serpent of old who was called the devil and Satan. And then notice what it says, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and the angels were thrown down with him. So, that is the power that is here, and it is telling us that Satan will lose this battle, Michael and the archangels will win this battle, and it is a very wonderful thing to be able to see that. Remember now, even back as early as Genesis, he is called the devil, uh, means to slander, defame, or falsely accuse. So, number four in the outline, now, number three, that was the power uh, the scene here in the fact that uh, Satan loses this war. But number four, I wanted you to see the point. The point of giving us this in Scripture, and I think that's always a good thing to ask, is why is this included in Scripture? And of course, we can't give an exhaustive answer as to all the reasons why it might be. I'm just going to present one. It's given to us to show us that Satan is once again a defeated foe. He is... Uh, defeated in the sense that he is kicked out of heaven no longer does he have access and he's thrown down to the earth. Now he's been having access to the earth all along. I mean access to heaven all along. But now the access to heaven is shut down. He's thrown down, literally cast out of heaven. Remember now he's already been cast out in verse 4. That was the time of his fall, and he had access back into heaven. Do I understand that? Absolutely not. I do not understand that. And uh, I don't need to understand that. Uh, scripture tells me that, and so I believe it. Now, he has no more access. He is identified very, very clearly as Satan himself. So, with that in mind, the point that he's given us here is that 
uh, he is reminding us here that Satan is going to not have access to heaven. And the reason that's important for us is because of what is going to happen a little bit later. But I'm going to go ahead and jump into it because it helps identify the point of this being included in Scripture. And the reason for that is he is the accuser. It says in verse 9, who thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. But it says just before that, who deceives the whole world. Now we know that he is the deceiver of, 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 of people. He's known that he deceives and goes after the believers in Christ or Old Testament saints. He goes after anything, any way he can bring a charge against God's elect. God is the one who justifies, and that is the, one of the points that we make here. If God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter what he's doing in heaven, because the one who condemns, who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ, and he died for us. And so Romans chapter 1 says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, why am I mentioning this? Because in verse 10, it talks about him... Uh, he is the accuser of our brethren, has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. He stands in heaven, is almost like a prosecutor, unending accusing us, and he is unsuccessful in that. He is called Satan, that is a very common name, and it means adversary or enemy. Then it says an interesting thing about him who deceives the whole world. He not only is an accuser, He's not only an adversary, he is a deceiver. Throughout all of human history, he has fooled the world and will continue to dupe the world even during the time of the tribulation period. He never gives up, folks. He never stops. You say, well, doesn't he see in the Bible that he is not going to win? Yes, he sees that. But he's hoping you don't see that because he is working furiously to stop any of the activity that God has. Believe me, he will carry on one charade after another, convincing people that he represents the truth, he represents true religion, and he will get involved in any place he can, yes, even in church. In chapter 16, we'll see more about it. Uh, in verse 14, uh, we're going to see, as it talks about spirits of demons performing signs who go out to the kings of the earth. Well, this is Satan's people. This is Satan's demons who go out to uh, the world to gather them together for the war of the great day of the Almighty. That is the battle of Armageddon. And Satan is working furiously during the time of the tribulation to bring all the nations together to fight. They are deceived into coming there by demons. How about that? So Satan is a deceiver. In chapter 13 and 14, he is a deceiver, again described there, and we'll see that as we get into chapters 13 and 14. Over in chapter 18, we're going to see it. 19, we're going to see it. Chapter 20, it's going to talk about he's put into the abyss, sealed so that he should not deceive any longer. So we, we know from Scripture he is a deceiver, and yet he still can win major or even temporary victories over us. It's amazing that we can fall for his tactics. He's deceiving right now through philosophies or psychologies or religion. 
I, I, it would probably frighten us to death to be able to see how he is deceiving churches into activities that would not be glorifying to Christ, whether it be in the worship service, whether it be in the music, whether it be in the people performing the music, or the preaching, or the teaching. He is working in many of these places. And I think it would scare us to death. I know one time I mentioned to a, a former pastor of mine, because I was doing a study on, on this. I said, Pastor, I think it would probably frighten us to death if we could see the spiritual war around us right at this moment, or at any given moment, or even when you stand up to preach, Pastor, the spiritual warfare in the room as Satan and his demons, probably not Satan, probably doesn't fool around with, with people like us. He probably fools around with much higher people. Uh, like governments and uh, preachers like uh, John MacArthur or R.C. Sproul or people like that. He wouldn't fool around with somebody like me or the pastor I was talking to. But I said, Pastor, think about this. The spiritual warfare that is involved in the people as you are trying to teach the Word of God, the demons are trying to keep the people from hearing the Word of God. It can be distractions, just looking across the room, seeing something, focusing on something, thinking about something. Satan continually and is always deceiving. And in the end, he will be so successful, he will pull together a world government of people, a world of people who will come to attack Jesus Christ. Remember, John calls him a liar. says he lures people into ruin. That's his intention. Now in verse 9... At the end, just to remind you of this, he'll move on to the next point. Satan is thrown down with him. And I want to make one very interesting point here. When the angels come, demons come, the unholy angels come catapulting down to earth with Satan, there's not only going to be a time of a probably great destruction upon the earth, but as he comes crashing down... Uh, it is going to have tremendous ramifications on the earth because we don't know when this actually happens. We don't know whether they're all cast out at the exact moment. But when you begin to go through Revelation, and it's like, for example, in chapter 9 or, or that we saw, man, we, you begin to see so many demons being released, those that were released from the pit. Uh, it's that this first part of Daniel, I mean, uh, Revelation chapter 9 talks about and then those that were released from the Euphrates River in, in the chains or pits, uh, those that were released. And boy, you know what? You've got a host of demons upon this world. So the pit that has been held temporarily, that's been a bind, binding demons, is opened. And so not only you have the demons of the air of the earth, you've got the demons coming out of the pit. Thousands and thousands or millions of demons. Uh, remember we saw in the sixth trumpet in chapter 9, verse 13, the sixth angel sounded and I heard a voice from the four horns of the uh, four horns of the golden altar before God. And his voice says, release the four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. Another great release. <coughs> and what happens? 200 million more demons. Now, I don't know if I can relate to 200 million of anything. But 200 million demons sounds like a whole lot of demons to me that I don't want anything to do with. There are demons everywhere. In fact, this group of demons, 200 million, has the power given to them and the freedom to kill one-third of the population of earth. 
All that could be tied back to this war in heaven and those being kicked out to the earth. I don't know, but it sounds like it. But even if it's not, those will be added to the ones kicked down to earth. So this unbelievable point that the scripture is making is to inform us of the fact that Satan is uh, involved here and he's being cast out of heaven and he is going to be rendered powerless. And so we can see that, uh, man, the, the results of this is going to be phenomenal. But look how casually it mentions it. Verse 9, The great dragon, which is Satan, was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Think about that one little part. He who deceives the whole world, and, 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 then, it, and then it has a comma or semicolon. Well, think about that. It, he deceives the whole world, and yet this means he has been deceiving the whole world since the beginning and continues to deceive the whole world and will continue to deceive the whole world even after the rapture. And it doesn't mention anything about all of that. And then it says he was thrown down to the earth and his angels, or I'd like to read it, his demons were thrown down with him. Meaning, he's kicked out of heaven, that's it, it's over, he's never going to have access back again. Which means, his time is going to be short. Now Satan knows this. You know, I look at the world today, and I look at the, the, the things on the news, I look at the, uh, the it's just a... a pol- unbelievable amount of things that are happening as far as the signs of the times. Our nation going down is just one of the signs. You say, well, how is that a sign? It doesn't fit Matthew 24. Well, no, but something had to bring America down so that we are not the world policemen. We are not the world. We are not the nation that the world seems to to worry about. We are, we are involved as, uh, as just any other nation. We have no real power anymore. We have no persuasion in the world anymore. We have lost our standing as the number one powerhouse in the nation, I mean, in, in the world. And to see that is, is disturbing, I know, for believers like you and myself. We see that and we think, my goodness, we've always wondered, is the United States in prophecy? Are we listed? And the more you study, the more you do not see the United States in prophecy. I can remember studying way back and and having people ask, how come if we're such a powerful nation, every country in the world considers us a powerhouse, a a powerful uh, position in the world? Number one, in most, most places in the world would consider us that. How are we not mentioned in Scripture? Well, the only answer anyone could give, even at that time in the 90s and in the early teens of of, of prophecy studies and conferences, and I've been to a lot of them and heard many of them, the only answer that people could give is, well, something must be going to happen to America to take us from our number one status. It's going to drop us down. Either we're going to be taken captive, we're going to... Uh, go into a ruin, we're going to be destroyed, we're going to, I've heard all kinds of things, but we are, we are rotting, we are, I've never seen our country go down so fast as it has in the last two years. And it's getting worse. It's getting worse and worse and worse. In fact, I see where some of the globalists are having a meeting 
uh, it began last week in Switzerland, and the title of the meeting is a call for the world to take note. Now get this, of the world problems, which is wars, rumors of wars, famine, hunger, and pestilence. Isn't it interesting? Because that's the same thing that the Bible says are the signs of the times that are indicating to us the birth pains are going to be beginning. That's the time that we can know that if that's true, then boy, the time of the rapture is even closer than we can imagine. And that is what is encouraging. That is what is comforting. And so we don't have to look at this demonic-filled earth during the time of the tribulation, and we don't have to worry. But it is a point for us to consider proclaiming this, teaching this, warning people to turn to Christ, to receive the, 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 the receive Christ, trust in Him. Now let me give you just uh, two things in, in closing. One is, and then we'll, we'll pick up next week, and that is number five on the outline. Number one was the possibility of the cause of the war, which is the rapture. Number two is the place of the war is in heaven. Number three, the power involved in the war is, uh, is seen in verse 8 in the fact that uh, Satan and his demons lose and Michael and his archangels win or more powerful. And then number four, the point is Satan is kicked out of heaven and is no longer the accuser of the brethren. And then that leads us to verse, the number five in the outline, and we'll have to hit this next week. But number five on the outline is the praise in heaven. Now, I want to just show you where this is. Look at verse 10. I heard a voice, a loud voice in heaven saying, Now, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, because the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down and who accuses them before our God day and night. And then verse 12, and I'll give you this, and we'll have to close out. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth, though. It's almost like there is a but. Woe to the earth. They are not going to be praising, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath. He's kicked out. He's mad. He's furious. He's got great wrath knowing that he has only a short time left. That is what is going to precipitate uh, what is going to happen during the time of the tribulation period from verses 13 to verse 17. Folks, it is going to be a very frightening time, the time of tribulation. But it's a very real time. And there will be an unbelievable time that the world won't be able to see what we can see now through the Scriptures. We can see this coming because the revelation of God is clear. Remember now, in Revelation chapter 1, it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. That time is now. It is our time to read and be blessed in the study for God to reveal these truths to our heart so that we might be able to warn people intelligently about the things that are coming. It's a frightening time for us. What does that look like? Well, it's a frightening time. It's going to be a hard time in America. I don't know how hard, I don't know how long we're going to be before the rapture, but I tell you what, it's getting harder and harder and harder to see our great nation going down the way it is. So folks, our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in the Word of God. Our hope is that 
Christ is our hope. He is our salvation. I pray that you will turn to Christ today. Trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins. If you don't even know what that means or how to do it, just get on your knees and cry out to God to simply save you. That will take care of it. I think God will honor that, and I thank you for listening today. For now, this is William Rogers. I thank you for joining me today as we continue to look at this scriptures. And of course, I know you know, uh, this is no way an exhaustive look at verses 7 through 10. We'll pick it up again next week and look at point 5. We'll look at the praise coming from heaven. So thank you for joining us. See you next time.